Welcome to the Steel Wars call-in show. I am comedian Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. And over the next 90 or so minutes, we'll be taking your calls on all things Star Wars. There's been just a dash of Star Wars news this week. (laughs) So... (laughs) We can enjoy that. If you're listening live and you'd like to get involved, we've got the chat room open. If you go to our uh, Blog Talk radio page, and that is heating up with a few regulars. We've got Emily Lind and Brittany Brown, Emma Knight, chatting away already, which is good to see. And you can call in yourself and talk Star Wars on 646-668-8366. Oh, and if you are not in America, you can do that on Skype and add a little plus one, but the number's at the top of the live streaming page. And we'll be talking Star Wars with, I think, the original co-host from the very first live call-in show. Welcome back, you pioneer of internet content from the Star Wars Underworld podcast and website, my... I'm going to go with favorite Canadian. It's Dominic Jones. I like that. I like that favorite Canadian. Yeah, from the from all the way from episode one of the Steel Wars Colin show. Yeah, that, that I remember when when you asked me to do that one. It was this sort of like, is it going to work? Is this going to is this going is, to is, or is it all going to fizzle? Is anybody going to call? And I I I think it's worked. I think uh, I think you've taken it and and run with it, and it's it's become become more powerful than we could possibly have imagined. Uh, in that well, first show. Well, there was that tender moment at the end of the first call-in show where we were at Moss Espa and you just mm-hmm. said, go steal, don't look back, go. <laughs> and yeah, I went I- off with my little microphone and my bowl cut and the next time I saw you, you were not looking very well. Yeah, I was... <laughs> I was dying in a Tuscan Raider camp, and uh, now I'm a ghost. I'm, I'm a ghost. That's uh, that's how this works, right? <laughs> I love that. And now I'm a ghost. What a happy ghost. Yeah. Uh, Dom, uh, mm-hmm. we've had a, just a dash of uh, Star Wars news. It's very exciting. Uh, Colin Trevorrow, he's at the unemployment office this week, cashing in <laughs> his uh, his his checks. Well, what, do you, what do you make of all this, buddy? Yeah, it, it, it's surprising in the way that this is always surprising. But if there was ever a time when it shouldn't have been surprising, it, it was this. I mean, he was always the guy that I personally looked at the directors they had hired and went, really, him? Him? I, I, I guess. No, not really. I don't like that. Um, so, I, you know, the fact that he got... Uh, he got dropped from the project. He got fired or he left or whatever happened. It's, it's a little bit surprising the way these things are always surprising. And I think it's all of that is magnified by the fact that the Phil Lord and Chris Miller thing happened just like just a little over a month ago, but this is not quite at the same level as that because, you know, they haven't started shooting episode nine yet. There's still lots of time to bring in somebody else to rework the script and still be ready to shoot pretty much on schedule. Is there lots of time? Well, is, I mean, is there, three is months. there like four months? 
Yeah, three or four months. That's that's a good. That's a decent amount of time. I mean, who knows? Who knows how much needs to actually be reworked? Uh, you know, it, it based on there was a story that this week that it was almost it was kind of Colin Trevorrow's personality that maybe um, helped helped his exit. Uh, so maybe there's some good ideas there, but you know, four months is still a decent amount of time. And and the other thing is we're far enough out on this one that if they really decide that they need more time, it would be, I, I feel like it would be easier to move episode nine back than it was to move the Han Solo movie back because that, that all of that happened when there was less than a year until the, until the, uh, the movie was supposed to hit theaters. Yeah. And yeah. And with, and, and with, with the, with the, Colin Trevorrow thing, the, you know, with the difference between Han Solo and this one is there's no merchandise on the way yet. So, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like the Han Solo film, everything, you know, is, is already getting, like it's in the plans for all the licensees. It's like how they're going to make money for the uh-huh. first half of next year is this Han Solo film. And if you bump it back, then, hey, what are we going to sell, dude? Um, <laughs> Yeah, it does kind of create that that problem, and and that's yeah, that's kind of what I meant when I said there's enough time that if they wanted to push it back this time around, they probably could. And I don't think the licensees would complain that much about having a little extra time to to finish their their stuff. I want to know this, Dom. Mm-hmm. I, I want to know how you tell someone they're fired from a Star Wars film. Like, do you take them to a <laughs> coffee shop and you go, "It's not you, it's me." Like, how does this go down? Do you get better at it? <laughs> yeah. Like, like there's certainly you had a bit of practice. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Maybe, uh, maybe you give them, like, a really nice Star Wars gift bag full of, like, all sorts of Star Wars memorabilia and goodies. And so if the person has uh, warm feelings about leaving Star Wars, they think, wow, that was really nice of them to, to give me that. And if they're angry about leaving, they can take it out in the parking lot and smash it with a baseball bat. Well, the weird thing is, is there was this Colin uh, Trevorrow article from a few months back, and it was like the sadness about him directing it or something was that he'd never get, like he wouldn't get to see it. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like that George Lucas thing. And yeah, yeah. do do you know the one thing sadder than not seeing a Star Wars film for the first time because you're directing it? (laughs) Seeing it for the first time and you didn't direct it. That's even more brutal. But in all of Colin Trevorrow's publicity photos, he does look hard to deal with. There's something in his face. I'm not sure what it is. (laughs) He does look like he... he, um, he does look like he has a very high opinion of himself. Like he looks like he's always like, I'm very serious in this photo because I'm a serious and talented filmmaker and I demand to be taken seriously. Yeah. Like you can, you're just reading a silly photo. He's trying to look serious. Mm -hmm. But all the photos always looked like he's just looking at me going, yeah, I'm making this film. Yeah. You didn't (laughs) like Jurassic world. Suck it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 he was always the weirdest choice for me. Like when they announced him, it was right after the whole Jurassic World thing had happened, where it had come out and made all of that mo- all of that money, and it it, mm-hmm. it felt at the time and and still felt this way. Like they just sort of somebody at Disney or Lucasfilm went, "Hey, that movie made lots of money. Let's just get that guy." 
uh, which is not a totally unre- unreasonable uh, position to have. But I, I'm with you. I, I didn't really like Jurassic World either. So it, it, I, I'm not... I'm not as sad to see him go as I was to see uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller go. I haven't been sad to see anyone go. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, Check yeah. Later. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I guess. I don't know. I was really looking forward to what uh, Lord and Miller were going to do because I, I really liked what they had done. And uh, while I'm happy that Ron Howard has been brought in, I think Ron Howard great filmmaker and can do great things i'm i'm probably in the minority where i i would have rather just seen what they were going to do and i would rather see them finish that movie uh and let ron howard do episode nine because clearly they were going to need another filmmaker again soon so they could have (laughs) just let those guys finish their movie and then said hey ron just jump in here you know a month and a half later well, from now on, they've got to hire a director and then have a backup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got to have that. The, uh, the Tony Gilroy, the Ron Howard, uh, Ryan Johnson sort of standing, uh, standing by. Yeah, like Kathleen Kennedy just in a glass case has just got like Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. It's like, just like just smash in case of director emergency. <laughs> Well, okay. Let let me ask you this then. So you you bring up Kathleen Kennedy, and there's been I've seen a lot of debate online about what's her role in all of this, and does she deserve some semblance of blame? Now, I'm not I'm by no means suggesting that uh, she should be fired or anything ridiculous like that. Uh, the movies that have come up come out have been success uh, both at the box office and with critics and with fans. So obviously that any sort of talk like that is ridiculous, but this is the third or fourth time, depending on how you want to count it, that they've had to replace a director in about three years. So it, it, what amount of blame does, does she hold on in, in this, uh, in this uh, instance or in all of this? Oh, it's hard to say. Like, I'm mm-hmm. definitely, like, the, the, the pitchforks and all that sort of business yeah. coming yeah, after Kathleen Kennedy is a bit much. But I think the problem is, is that getting the tone of a Star Wars film right is, is so mm-hmm. hard. Do you know what I mean? Like, even George yeah. Lucas, to a lot of fans, couldn't get it right. Mm-hmm. And he made it up. So... <laughs> When you've got, like, all these other people coming into it, I, I can see, you know, like, I've, I've talked about this before, that, you know, with Rogue One, they wanted this gritty war movie. And then it's like, you watch it and you're like, oh, but it's not like Star Wars. We've got to change it. And then same with, you know, the the Han Solo one. And a bit of that as well as that they were going off script. They just would not be bound by the written word of the great <laughs> Lawrence Kasdan, Larry... Obey yeah. the word of Larry, Phil <laughs> Ward, Chris Miller. And so I think, you know, Kathleen was, you know, when you listen to her interviews from a couple of years ago and she's like, oh, you know, we can go from all these different directions. Don't think you can. Mm. I don't think you can. I think you just got to make Star Wars films. And uh, yeah, so I don't know. I, I, like, you know, to her credit, she's righted the ship. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, Rogue One turned out a pretty damn good. And, and let's see how Han Solo goes. Yeah. But it's, it doesn't look good on paper. Yeah. But then but it looks good at the cinema. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Right. Is in, it, I think because these two really high profile sort of firings or letting people go or changing of directors, whatever you want to call it has happened so close together. I think we get kind of caught in this sort of this bubble of, Oh my God, everything is, is falling apart, but we forget that we've had two movies that, have made over a billion dollars, over two billion in Force Awakens' case, and uh, people seem to like them. And, and The Last Jedi is probably going to do the same. It's probably going to be just as successful. So they've had, they, and, and I think we should give credit where credit is due to Kathleen Kennedy. She's had a lot of success with Star Wars, and it's just these sort of things that happen in between the movies. And uh, I, I, I agree with the people who say, you know, when you hire somebody and then you have to fire them, you're you know some of the blame goes on on your shoulders but at the end of the day we've had enough movies that uh, we've 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 only had successes at the box office that we can't really uh say that her her methods aren't working yeah yeah i I thought you were going to drop some knowledge there like to fire (laughs) one's employees to fire oneself or something like that No, no, nothing nearly that wise. From what I heard, after that Han Solo thing, she wasn't having the best best time at work. Yeah, I mean, she was a, a, da- a dash stress. There was like giant sets that had to get rebuilt in London, and uh, and I think it was sort of telling that we didn't get any uh, at D twenty three. We had. Um, Oh, I'm dropping his name. Edward Scissorhands, director, Dominic. Uh, I... Come on, chat room. Tim Burton. Thank you, Emily oh. Lind. There you go. We had Tim, Tim Burton. He fired up the Skype from London. He was on a train or something saying that he was making... Uh, I can't even remember what film he was making. But he was Dumbo. making a film for Disney. Dumbo at D23. And mm-hmm. that's what I'm just like. Oh, they're getting run. They're getting run <laughs> on the Skype. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I thought nah, the same thing. Ron, the same thing. Ron didn't have good internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and that, you know, and I think okay. his um, his his tweets and his Instagrams are just you know they're lit. It, it can't, can't be denied. Oh, and yeah. it paints a great picture. But I think maybe um, there's a story behind the tweets, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> story of please let's get this film out and make a billion dollars thank you very much yeah it definitely feels like they uh they once uh once they once that change was made there were a couple of weeks there where it was probably not a not a very fun uh very fun atmosphere and it it, it took someone like ron howard who i don't know i guess I just get such like a calm relaxing vibe from ron howard like as soon as he starts to do anything starts to speak or even just when he tweets something it just everything feels like zen and calm and, and relaxing and everything's all right in the world because ron howard's in charge yeah i'm just whenever i see a photo of him i just get calm and and want to eat apple pie oh yeah 
I mean, the talk shows for this for his uh, his movie is <laughs> gonna be uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be just everything is so calm and perfect and and relaxed and in, in a way he's kind of the perfect guy to bring in after you do something as crazy as firing directors after six months of shooting. You know, you need somebody who can calm everybody down and make it seem like everything's all right. Yeah, I. So you you were bummed when Chris Miller and Phil Lord got ditched. Yeah, I was. I was. I was mad. <laughs> like as mad as you can get over you know a Star Wars director being fired. Uh, I, I, no, I you no, as, as mad as you can get as a happy Canadian. Yeah, <laughs> yes, about as mad as I can get about that. Um, I I really wanted to see what those guys did. Like I. I I had a lot of faith in them just based on what they'd done previously and, and having seen them at celebration Europe and, and like when they were announced two years ago or wherever, whenever that was, I thought, Oh, this is perfect. Like these are guys I never would have thought of to direct the star Wars movie. But now that they are, it's, it felt like a stroke of genius. You know, here we, here we are saying, you know, what's going on is, do we blame Kathleen Kennedy for this? And back then I was like, Kathleen Kennedy is a genius. I never would have thought of this. This is amazing. This is perfect. And I really wanted to see what they could do. And, you know, when the uh, book of Henry came out and we were all sort of wondering about what was going on with Colin Trevorrow. Why, why his, why the guy who's making episode nine just made this you know movie that got absolutely trashed by, by critics and, and, and audiences. Uh, uh, while all of that was going on, like, you know what? I've still got faith in Lucasfilm. They've picked, they've, they've got Ryan Johnson and, and Phil Lauren, Chris Miller in there. These are great choices that nobody ever would have thought of. So, you know, even if episode nine, isn't as good as we want it to. There's these other movies that are going to be just fine. And then six days later they were out and I was left sitting there going, what's going on? What's going on? And so, you know, while I'm excited to see Ron Howard, uh, what Ron Howard does, I, I, I really would have rather uh, seen what Phil Lord and Chris Miller were doing. Yeah. I, I, I never got it. I always thought like I trusted them. Like I, mm-hmm. like, do you know what I mean? Because I'm not in film production. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this is news to you or not, but I'm not, Dom. I'm not. <laughs> I'm shocked. I had no idea. Stop, stop telling people. I could have sworn you were a, a high-profile director. <laughs> well, I, I am high-profile. But yeah. <laughs> when they were announced, like I was like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you know, you're, you're Lucasfilm. You're Kathleen yeah. Kennedy. You're, you're Larry Kasdan. You know yeah. what you're doing. I'm just some goof with a microphone, but it mm-hmm. did seem weird because they're my biggest concern about the Han Solo film is the references, the reverse references. Jeremy, yeah. like mm-hmm. about the, the felt, you know, like, Oh, I, I, you always shoot first kid. And you know, just yeah. stuff like that. I just, I am, um, yeah, I, I am slowly constructing my, my star Wars theme news in, in <laughs> preparation. And those guys are such, like, they make their two big films know that they're films. Like mm-hmm. the Lego movie and 21 Jump Street, like, they, they're self-referential. So I was quite nervous that they get a little bit too, a bit too cute, which, mm-hmm. which really, really frustrates me when uh, you get those references that are a bit too, like the, the, the Jar Jar Binks, in aftermath, the sad, the sad clown that none of the there's, adults like. 
<laughs> there's one in uh in the the new princess leia book came out that when i read it i mm-hmm. thought it's so blink and you miss it like it could you could totally just skim by it and not notice it but when i read i read i thought yeah no don't do don't do that <laughs> leave this sentence out don't don't do this um but yeah i i know what you mean i understand that um but i i sort of thought can you tell me what page to blink on I'll I'll, I'll send you a message later. I'll tweet it out. Um, But I I understand, understand all that. Um, But I sort of thought, you know, with these, anytime these directors were brought on board, regardless of what their previous stuff had been, I sort of felt that there would, there would be a little bit of reverence for star Wars that, you know, you wouldn't have the, those kind two or too many of those cutesy references because there are some in Star Wars. I mean, why do I get the feeling you're going to be the death of me? I you know there's the the ultimate one, but in a I I I'd sort of figured that it was Star Wars and that they would understand that and uh, that you know if there were if they were going too far maybe Kathleen Kennedy or Larry Kasdan would rein them in and well I guess that kind of happened just in a far more extreme way yeah the uh yeah we'll just we'll just do what we want and if they've got a problem with it they'll just fire us everything is awesome <laughs> but seriously <laughs> I, with those guys like of the directors that they had announced uh up until up until really just the just it, recently i had sort of thought they had been it had, my, my favorite choices had been them and brian johnson and i guess jj J. abrams but i hadn't really thought much of of gareth edwards or even josh trank uh and, and definitely not colin trevorrow um they, they those were all sort of like sort of weirder choices to me whereas those three sort of felt like these are the people that i would trust to make star wars movies and i, I was also buying into you know what kathleen kennedy was saying about let's not just do star Wars movies. Let's do other genres in the star Wars galaxy. And and I'd still like to see them try that. I I really would. I'd like to see the cut of rogue one. That's the gritty war movie. Uh, I'd like to see the cut of the Han Solo movie. That's maybe a little bit funnier. I I would like to see them try some of, try some of that. Um, And always sort of have the, the saga movies to come back to where when you want just a, when you want a star Wars movie, you watch episodes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, on and on and on. Uh, and it, when you want to do something different in the Star Wars universe, then you would watch Rogue One, Han Solo, so on and so forth. New and different things scare me, Dom. Don't like it. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's it's, it's the, isn't that a Jedi thing? If the you know, face your fears or something, I don't know. <laughs> Dumb. I'm not a Jedi. Uh, I'm just well, an idiot. <laughs> All right, we will. Uh, the the call line is uh, loading up, so we will take some calls. Uh, before that, Dom, I'm in the midst of a very hectic September. I'm doing thirty podcasts. I heard in thirty days. I heard through that. September because the old MacBook is slowly uh, winding down. It, she's had a great run but we need to uh, get some funds up for uh, a new one. So on the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars, 
We are doing 30, as well as the normal episodes that are on iTunes, we're, we're we're going to make it 30 episodes and I think I'm about two days behind at the moment, but I'm, I will catch up. I've recorded another Q&A, which I'll upload. We just had our Amy Ratcliffe episode, an uh, hour-plus interview with her that's already getting a great response. That's up on the feed. And yeah, for $3 for the month, you can hear all 30 episodes as well as the, I think it's 270-plus other episodes, full-length interviews, uh, bonus shows for the call-in shows, the Making Steel Wars show with Jason Ward, Gonkin Steel's Trash Compactor, and uh, you support the continued production of the little old Steel Wars podcast. And how this show works, if you're listening live or on the Patreon feed, you will get all 90 minutes. If you are on demand on iTunes or through another avenue like that, you'll get the first 45 or 50 minutes, then we'll save the 45 or 50 minutes bonus time for our beloved patrons. And it also gets you to jump the queue in the call-in line like our buddy in San Francisco, Dom Legaspi. Did I get the surname right today, Dom? Steel Saunders and the tastefully named Dominic Jones. You got it right. How's it going? <laughs> this could get confusing very quickly. I, I don't know how I feel about this. I, I'm good, Dom. <laughs> I, I did on the next Q&A that I'm going to upload directly after this episode finishes, I, I think I say your surname three different ways. And I believe one awesome. of them is the correct way. So I'm going for that shotgun approach. <laughs> hey, just throw it out, throw throw it at the wall. Whatever sticks, sticks. It's fine. Lagubalaba, lagaya I've heard it all. That sounds like Jar Jar is trying to say your last name. And oh, we've got in the chat room of getting a good uh, good bit of feedback from uh, Katie McCork saying that the Force Friday episode killed her. So I'm glad you're back from the dead. She's a Force ghost and she's chatting in our chat room right now. But we did a really fun episode with Tony, the gonk droid, a live blog pod from Toys R Us for Force Friday where um, we may have abused Jeffrey the giraffe for not reaching out to his fans the way he should. He, he was gatekeeping. He was gatekeeping oh, the back no. of the line, guys. Oh, no. Uh, what's, on, <laughs> what's on your mind, Dom? So, um, you know, I actually was, I know the big thing right now is Colin Trevorrow, but uh, I was curious if you guys have picked up Darth Vader 5 yet. Yeah, I actually just read it this afternoon. I so, haven't, um, but, but I've heard people, I've, I've heard positive positive feedback about it what's going on well uh so this is the the way that the this year's darth vader series has been going is it's basically been darth vader's quest to get his own kyber crystal that he's then going to uh to bleed and they've had references to bleeding kybers ever since the ahsoka novel and uh this is actually this is the the issue in which he he does it and i was just curious what you guys thought well Dom, since you read it, yeah. How, how do you think? How do you how do you like the way it uh, played out on the pages yeah. there? 
I, I thought it was pretty good. I, I've really liked the Vader series. I thought it's been it's been one of their better ones. Uh, I, I thought it was a little bit slow to get started. Like the first two issues, kind of, uh, kind of, they 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 they, they didn't move along as, as as quickly as I'd like, and and they were a little too. They took a little bit too much time on things I didn't think were all that important. But the from issue three on, I've thought it's been really good, and I, I liked the Jedi Master that they had. I wish we could have seen more of him uh, in action, but I thought that. It was either issue three or issue four. It was almost like from front to back was almost entirely one action sequence. And I thought that was really, really good. Uh, and then for issue five, I thought it was cool. Like I, I, I liked the sort of the, the, the moment where he's kind of imagining how he could redeem himself. And, and I don't know if that's part of the, if that's just Vader thinking about it before he, like, starts bleeding it or if that's part of the you know the the test of the dark side but i thought that was really cool and and was kind of an interesting moment where this this idea that anakin did consider however briefly trying to undo his actions because you get the sense in revenge of the sith that he doesn't feel he knows what he's doing is wrong but he doesn't feel that there's a way out of it for him and it, it was cool to see him imagine that way out and then reject it. And it, because, you know, Vader can't think about Anakin or uh, Anakin's problems or Anakin stuff, Anakin's memories, all that much until he comes face to face with Luke in, in, uh, in Empire. And so... To, so he has to kind of bury all of that deep down. Uh, but it was interesting to see one of those moments sort of pop up. And it makes sense. You know, it's, it's so soon after the, event of, the events of Revenge of the Sith, it doesn't feel out of place for him to have that thought. So I thought that was really cool. Uh, the, the, the rest of the bleeding thing, it was, it, was, it was interesting. It was well drawn. But that was the part that really stood out to me. Yeah, I kind of thought like that what we would, you know, this whole time since the bleeding thing has been proposed, I was sort of thinking, okay, would we visually, what would we see? You know, uh, you know, the the crystal, would it, you know, gradually change color? Would it be like it been, you know, sort of like when you see, um, you know, on TV, you see like somebody uh, injecting a syringe and then, you know, maybe a little bit of blood gets in the mix and, and like that kind of thing and eventually you know, totally taking it over as red or, or what, but, um, you know, this is, this is a pretty cool concept. You know, a lot of, uh, I, I did, I did take that as a test, like his vision of, you know, Hey, look, if you, if you, um, you know, atone for what you've done and, and all that. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I did take it as a test and, and, you know, clearly uh, I think Palpatine would say, yeah, well you passed. And <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I agree. It's one of those things that I I almost would have liked. I, I get why they did this story in, in the comics, but I almost would have liked to have, have read it as well. Like, I wish there was like a, a, a novel or a short story version of this as well so that you could really see what he's he's thinking. But I, I do think the art does a pretty good job of conveying it. So it, it's it's that's a pretty minor, uh, minor quibble. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it's it's a pretty it, it was a pretty good uh it was a well-executed concept because I was sort of unsure of what it meant and how I felt about it. But now that I've actually seen it, it does, uh, it, 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 I think it's pretty cool. 
Hmm. Yeah. I, I just finished reading the Darth Maul comic where he's hanging out with Aura Singh and Cad Bane. Have either of you guys ran that one? Yep. Yeah, I read that one. Yeah, I, I just found it weird that he, was ha- he had friends or cohorts or associates. He, he, he seemed like a bit of a loner in that Phantom Menace. Didn't seem like he was going to go hang out with some dude with a wacky hat. <laughs> yeah, it almost, it almost seemed like they wrote that with everything that's come out in animation in mind, rather than, you know, if they would have, if they would have written that book right after Phantom Menace, you know, I think it would have been, it would have been a lot different, but because of all the things that, you know, he's, he's known for in the animation and his, his scheming and taking over Mandalore and, and, uh, you know, the stuff with Ezra and, and, you know, they, I think they, they really based a lot of his character in this, you know, this little short-lived uh, miniseries or whatever, uh, based on what we've seen in animation already. Yeah, it, it, I, I agree with you 100%, but I actually kind of liked that. I, I thought that was, I thought that was a cool bit of sort of tying it all in together. This idea that, uh, because I remember when, when they brought Maul back for season five of Clone Wars, hearing about how he thought he was supposed to be Dooku. Like he was supposed to be the guy who, who rallied this sort of political alliance of the separatists and, and, and all of that, that. And so it would make sense that he would be able to do all this scheming. That, that should have been fun. my head getting chopped off. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and so I like that they, they injected a bit of that into the series and into this comics book series. And if anything, I, I think my criticism is that they didn't go far enough in, in that regard. Like I was reading the first uh, the first issue. I remember reading the first issue of that after having read all these sort of interviews with the creators talking about that that's what they were going for. This idea of, of having the the Clone Wars mall in the pre Phantom Menace uh, storyline, and reading that first issue, I sort of felt like, well, this is just basically the mall that we had gotten from, uh, you know, 1999 to 2000, what 2011, or when when he, when they started bringing him back in Clone Wars, where it was just sort of the I'm a killer. I'm out to kill. That's what I do. All, all I think about is killing. And, and I thought it was it was a little bit more interesting to, to inject some layers into the character and have him have some other skills that aren't just with a lightsaber. Yeah, maybe, maybe I, what he's been in animation and comics is like, that's what he is. And then it just on Phantom Menace, he was just having an off day. Like, he, you know, I'm kind of kind of sad today. I'm just going to be on the low and Palpatine's going to run stuff. And Yeah. I, I mean, and, and Why would he be Menace. sad that day? He was, he was at last <laughs> going to get his revenge and reveal himself to the Jedi. Yeah. That's a, and, and, uh, <laughs> and in Phantom Menace, he doesn't really have... Day. Yeah, in, in Phantom Menace, he doesn't really have that much to do. He's just sort of there. You know, Palpatine sends him to be an attack dog. This isn't this is part of Palpatine's bigger plan. It's not time to do a full all out um, uh, uh, political alliance against the Republic. It's just time to, it, all he's doing is trying to get himself into power. So it, it, at, at that point in that particular story of the Phantom Menace, it makes sense for Maul to just use this one skill set, even if he has these other ones. Now, I got this question on one of the Q&As this week, and I couldn't answer it off the top of my head. But do you guys know, you guys seem pretty up on this Kyber business, why (laughs) some Jedi's lightsabers are blue and green and purple? 
apart from just Samuel L. Jackson saying, I want a purple lightsaber. <laughs> I, I know the, the real world reason why they do that in the movies, but I don't know. I don't know any in-universe uh, story. <laughs> yeah, I think Pablo is kind of, Pablo's commented on it just saying like, you know, look, it's, it, it there's there's not a real uh well there's certainly not a reason that's been explained in canon but it's just sort of like one of those things where he's just like come on you guys <laughs> like really yeah they needed you a really green need lightsaber blue versus green <laughs> <laughs> yeah they needed a green lightsaber in, in return of the jedi so that it would show up better against the sky <laughs> i think that's pablo's answer that there's, there's no real reason it's, there's no real reason in the story it's just the production thing yeah, well, that that was the reason I gave. I said, well, I can tell you the real reason, but I don't know about the, you know, I I, th- I think the uh, the listener wanted a space reason. Sure. <laughs> I I don't know the space reason. Don't know a space reason. All right. All right. Well, Dom, thanks for your call, my man. Yeah, thank you. Uh, happy contentber, and uh, you know, we can't wait for the uh, the, the rest of the. Of the 30 shows this month. <laughs> well, they're coming, buddy. They're coming. Don't worry about that. Thank you, Dom. Uh, Thanks, let's go to... We've got some Patreon members on hold, but I've got a number here I don't know, and it has perked my interest. So let's go to 714. Who are you, and where are you calling from? Um, hi, Steele. It's me, Lol again. Ah, hey, Lol. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm from your Belinda, and uh, my mom is actually here in the car with me. Hi, Steele. Good to see you. <laughs> uh, Hi. Ha- how was Hamilton, you guys? I-, I saw you went to Hamilton on 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 social media. How was that? It was really tight. Oh, it was amazing. We loved it. Okay, it I'm going to see that in fun fact. Yeah, fun fact. Lin Manuel Miranda actually worked on Star Wars: The Force Awakens. He did some of those. He did some of the music. Yeah, he wrote the uh, the greatest piece of in-universe Star Wars music ever, which is Jabba Flow, which is far superior to everything else, including Yub Nub, uh, the the old. And we've just put Dom on hold because he was getting out of control with that anti-Ewok rhetoric. See you, Dom. What is your question as I bring Dom back on? Um, hi, I just wanted to talk about uh, Star Wars Episode Nine. So there's been a lot of director names floating around. There's whispers that maybe J.J. Abrams will come back or Ryan Johnson, maybe Spielberg. But my suggestion for who Oh, wait, can, can, I just act, can I just act it? Can I just act out those whispers? J.J. Oh, yeah, Abrams, sure. Ryan Johnson, <laughs> Steven Spielberg. Sorry, I just I, I couldn't resist whispering. So, well, who was your pick, buddy? Yeah, um, my pick would be Ava DuVernay, uh, the director of Selma. Um, she's an amazing filmmaker, and she's also actually working with Disney to make A Wrinkle in Time, which looks incredible. And she's really good friends with J.J. Abrams, and she actually helped with the lightsaber fight at the end of The Force Awakens. Oh, uh, yeah. What was, what was her thing that she added that was really cool? Something to do with Ray talking to herself or something? Well, it's something that she added. I think she suggested the shot of Ray, like, with the lightsaber over her head where she slashes down at Kylo, I think. That, I think oh. that was 
Hmm. King Tom's saying it's the close-up of Ray's face. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know, when you think about it, is it, is it much of a suggestion? Hey, you should do a close-up on, on the main character's face. <laughs> Brilliant! Print it! <laughs> hey, in this Star Wars film, have you, have you thought about having lightsabers? Ooh, I'm listening. How about a Millennium Falcon? Ooh, good idea. Yeah, well, there's been a couple without them, Dom, so you, yeah. you, your idea maybe uh, fell on deaf ears. I, I don't really know much about Ava, except I s- saw her at D23, and she seemed like a, an exuberant filmmaker, so I am open to it. I'm not really a, much of a director person. I'm, I'm, more, I'm more you made a bad film, and then I'm very scared, which was my Colin <laughs> Trevorrow thing. <laughs> Like I, I yeah. and like Jurassic World had good bits, but or but but the, the logic was not there. The just there was several logic gaps in if you were running a theme park with giant dinosaurs. That twenty years ago there was a massacre on the island with dinosaurs. There's some things you'd probably organise uh, on said island that. I'll tell you my biggest problem with Jurassic World is actually the um, divorce subplot that happens and is just basically dropped at the end of the movie when um, the mom shows up and still has the ring on. I'm like, really? That's that that's that's how you're going to resolve this? Because I got really invested in that. I'm like, well, I don't really care about the rest of the stuff going on, but I want to see how they resolve this. And, and then they just kind of drop it. Oh, I know. But... As for as for uh, Ava DuVernay, uh, I, I'm with you. I think she would be a phenomenal choice to direct the Star Wars movie. But I, just from a logistical standpoint, getting her for Episode Nine might be a bit tough because A Wrinkle in Time doesn't come out until March of next year, uh, and, and that would that would definitely mean pushing the movie back. And, and who knows, maybe they're willing to do that. And, and it would mean pushing it back, not just to December, but probably at least a year. And, you know, if they have the right filmmaker, and Ava very well could be that person, then do it. I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'm, I'm fine with waiting. But by that same stroke, I don't know if they want to wait. And, and so maybe she could come in and do a, a, a standalone film or episode 10 but for episode nine, as much as I would love to see it, just from a purely logistical standpoint, it might be a bit tough to bring her in uh, at, for mm. this particular movie, given the time frame of her current movie end of episode nine. The, one of the big problems with this whole thing is George Lucas used to make these Star Wars films every three years. And then he'd have a giant break. Like, this trying to do every year thing. This, this could be the issue. Yeah. They are they are complex films that have to meet this magical tone, and and trying to pump them out every year or every five months uh, next year. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I, I'm an eighteen month guy. Give me eighteen months before Star Wars films, and then you can rotate them the March to December. And we can we can mount and dismount off each film 
and catch our breath and look forward to the the next toy release and the next Blu-ray. Um, mm-hmm. It's just me. I'm, I'm I'm growing patient in my old age. <laughs> yeah, I think 18 months. I, I'd even be willing to wait. I'd even be willing to have a Star Wars movie every other year. I, I was honestly surprised when they announced that they were going to do the spin-off movies in between the saga films. I thought we would do the sequel trilogy, and then we would start to see things like Rogue One, the Hot Solo movie, Obi-Wan movie, so on and so forth. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I think there may be something to that still, that maybe trying to do a movie every 12 months or less is, uh, is, is taking its toll over there. And they're struggling with it a little bit. And that's why we keep having, having some issues with directors and, and people not, people's visions not lining up. And uh, it's because people's, uh, people's attention is being pulled in, in a million different directions at once, whereas on a usual movie, it's just 500,000 different directions at once that their attention is being pulled. So, you know. Yeah, because just from personal experience, like I'm doing a podcast every day for 30 days, and I can guarantee the quality of those podcasts has slid downhill rapidly. <laughs> I'm now, oh, great. I'm winning awards. I'm an award-winning <laughs> podcaster, you guys. I'm the king of iTunes. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, it's so cool to hear from you, my man, and I will uh, talk to you soon. Don't be a stranger. Okay, thank you, and may the force be with you. The force is always with me. <laughs> Dom, we have. I'm going to try to stick to a, a timeline uh, today. Okay. I'm normally really bad with this, but we're, we've clocked over 45 minutes on uh, the free show, so we'll get set for the bonus time. We've got a, uh, a few callers on hold, and we will get all your calls. Uh, regular callers like King Tom and uh, Katie McCork, who did a blistering, blistering photo shoot the other day in the new Steel Wars t-shirt. She was looking uh, very learned in her Yavin University t-shirt. She had her glasses on and, and just, had, just had a university face on. You know, you know that just graduated from university face. She I don't looked, know what that means. Yeah, she looked right out of one of those uh, uh, college uh, uh, promotional uh, photo shoots. It was. Uh, <laughs> it looked exactly. like a, something you expect to pick up on campus. Oh, this you could the knowledge just was dripping out of my tweet. It was it was crazy. So we'll talk to uh, Katie. We'll talk to Tim, King Tom, and then I've got another caller that I don't know who they are. So there you go, another wild card. So if you are joining in on the uh, thirty shows in thirty days, the bonus show will be there for you on Patreon and what do when you sign up to Patreon, you get a little web address that you paste into your iPhone app for your podcast or your uh, Google Play app or however you get your podcast. You paste this little address into your podcast app and then all the bonus shows instantly load just like a normal podcast. It's really cool. So you'll be getting the longer 90-minute version of this. So if you want to support the podcast, please go check out uh, patreon.com forward slash Wars. If you're in Melbourne, we're doing a live podcast next Saturday afternoon at Club Voltaire at 2 p.m. So I'm looking forward to that. 
Dominic Jones, you are the co-host of uh, the long-running Star Wars Underworld cast. I listen to it every week for many years. Tell the good people how they can track it down. Yeah, you can find it by going to uh, StarWarsUnderworld.com or just by searching for it on iTunes and Google Play. And we have episodes up every week where myself and my co-hosts, Chris and Ben, talk about the latest Star Wars news. And uh, once, uh, once, Rebels pops up, uh, once Rebels comes back on, uh, we'll have, uh, we'll have our, our award-winning and award-losing uh, podcast uh, live from Lothal where we break down every episode of the, of the new season. So that Rebels comes back in October and Live from Lothal comes back in October. So yes, StarWarsUnderworld.com or just find us on the social media stuff. We're at the SWU pretty much everywhere. And uh, I'm at DominicJ25 on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome, Dom. Well, thanks for everyone on the on-demand feed for listening. Listening live, stick with us for another 45 minutes. And if you want to hear the extended version, head over to that Patreon and uh, drop three bucks for the month. And uh, by the end of the month, you're going to have 300 audio shows to listen to, including the movie commentaries, which are quite fun. We record them with a live audience and you can play them or you play your Blu-ray and it gives your movies a new experience with some idiots making jokes over some great films, which when you think about it like that, probably not a good idea, but what are you going to do? We've all got a lot of free time on our hands. Go check out that Amy Ratcliffe episode. It is super good and may that force be with you. Let's go to that bonus section. All right, on 973, we have got Katie out on the East Coast. How you doing, buddy? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I am well. I love the photo shoot. I'm, I'm so delighted. Thank you. Can I just say that taking your merch out into the wild is one of the funnier experiences I've ever had?